Welcome to the Rust Belt Rundown, brought to you by Rust Belt Recruiting. This podcast is designed to shine a light on the meaningful work being done in Northeast Ohio and the surrounding region. We will convene manufacturing executives and Northeast Ohio business leaders for candid discussions about their business, regional happenings, industry trends, entrepreneurship, and more. Now, let's get running on The Rundown. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 6 of the Rust Belt Rundown. I am your host, Paul O'Connor, and on this episode, we are joined by Christopher Nance. Chris is the uh, Vice President of Construction and Inclusive Talent Initiatives at the Greater Cleveland Partnership. Chris, thanks so much for coming on, man. How are we doing? Doing well, Paul. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for thinking of us. Yeah, Happy to absolutely. Be um, so we're going to spend a lot of time on the partnership itself, but before we jump into sure. that, uh, eager to get a little more background on you. Uh, I know you started your, your work at the United Way. Give us, give us the rundown on what your professional journey has been like. Sure, and, and thanks, thanks again for, for asking. And uh, I certainly remember you know, coming out of uh, undergrad uh, uh, Boston College uh, in the uh, 80s. I remember uh, one of my career counselors saying that uh, you're likely to change careers about five times during the course <laughs> of your working life. And uh, I think I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm, I'm getting pretty close to, uh, to number five. But a good uh, counselor. Yeah, some good yeah, yeah, it, yeah very, very good counselor. Uh, so coming out of Boston College with a, a, a degree in political science, uh, came back to Cleveland. My initial job was actually in the banking business, uh, worked uh, in the banking business, made an early transition uh, to uh, the United Way. And as you indicated, Paul, um, a 13-year career at the United Way, both here uh, in Ohio, Cleveland, uh, Cincinnati, and in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, your beloved uh, uh, home state of Connecticut. And uh, coming uh, out of my work uh, at the uh, United Way, did some other nonprofit work, um, both in Connecticut and in New York City, and uh, eventually uh, came back to uh, my discipline as a poli-sci major and did work in public in the public sector, um, both working for a member of Congress, as well as uh, serving uh, uh, for the state of Ohio in the Secretary of State's office, and then eventually made the transition to economic development, where I am now at the GCP. So uh, I have uh, I've made the rounds. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and I want to get into your role in, in Congress and, and the state of Ohio. But before that, I know you recently finished your MBA at Cleveland State. What made you want to go back to school at this point in your career? Well, a, a couple of things, not the least of which is uh, having kids. I have uh, two kids in their 20s now. So uh, family life certainly uh, was, was the first uh, uh, kind of practical reason going back a little bit later in life and also having the time uh, to do so, uh, but also having worked now at the GCP for some number of years and even during my United Way career, I've always had a lot of interaction with the private sector. And so uh, understanding more specifically uh, the language of business and business strategy, which is something I spend a lot of time uh, I found my MBA degree invaluable, uh, and, and the Cleveland State uh, Executive uh, MBA program is, is an excellent one. Nice. Okay. Um, okay, so I want to jump into the role um, 
as Assistant Secretary of State, obviously a very important and impressive role. One of the main job functions is working with the creation of new businesses here in Ohio. Um, kind of a two-part question, but one, sure. can you talk about the role itself, what it all mm -hmm. entails, and then two, any notable businesses that you saw form while you were in that role? Yeah, the, uh, so you're, you're right. And a lot of people, I, I really appreciate this question because uh, a lot of folks don't understand the role of the Secretary of State's office in facilitating the establishment of businesses. Uh, in fact, I, I heard recently uh, reported by the Ohio Secretary of State that new business filings, right, new business formations, right, have increased significantly, you yep. know, as a result of uh, COVID. Yep. Uh, that's kind of a good news, bad news thing, right? The, mm -hmm. uh, the fact that businesses are forming, I think, is important uh, growth opportunity for the state of Ohio. Um, the somewhat sobering news is that when people become displaced uh, and they need to establish a, a business entity, uh, they certainly, uh, that's another kind of reality of our current economic environment. So our role is to make that process uh, an easy one. And you can, in fact, incorporate uh, by filling out just a, a, a few forms. Um, and one of the things that uh, we did specifically, and I was directly involved in relative to that effort, is that that work was done all in Columbus. So during my tenure in the Secretary of State's office, I actually uh, connected back to Cleveland, physically moved back to Cleveland and opened up an office specifically for business filings here in Cleveland or Northeast Ohio, because there are some things uh, that even as recently as just, uh, you know, 10 years ago, yes, the internet was active, people were able to exchange documents, but especially when someone is establishing a business, they really like to interact with someone face-to-face. -face. Yep. And so offering that service uh, to Northeast Ohio businesses uh, was a really important factor. We could also sit down and counsel individuals as to the, the kind of business formation that might be most in line uh, with their uh, aspirations uh, as, a, uh, as a new business owner. And so that was a really key area uh, of focus. And, and of course, uh, alongside the, the core function of uh, another obvious core function of the Secretary of State's office is running the state's election system. Yep. And uh, we had some work to do there back in uh, that uh, 10 years ago. And uh, we, we certainly uh, are very proud of the work that we accomplished uh, to bring uh, Ohio's voting system into uh, what we might call the 21st century. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I can imagine that you're um, happy to not necessarily be doing that work right now. During this um, year. Yes, yes, and. Uh, <laughs> or as uh, the folks at Hartford Seminary, uh, as part of my career journey, also included a short stint at a place called the Hartford Seminary. Uh, folks there taught me the, the value and the importance of a phrase called both and. Hmm. Uh, I'm glad that I'm perhaps not working in the Secretary of State's office right now. And I'm also glad that we were able to put in some systems, yep. administrative, operationally, and technically, um, where uh, the voting process here in the state of Ohio is one that is reliable and people yep. are taking advantage of uh, by the millions. And we're, yep. we're, we're, we're very proud of that work. Yep. For sure. Got it. Okay. So want to talk about how you got involved with the GCP, but before that, for people that are unaware, what is the GCP and what purpose does it serve? Sure. You know, it's, it is uh, from a marketing standpoint, um, 
the Greater Cleveland Partnership doesn't necessarily speak to exactly who we are. So again, very thoughtful uh, uh, question. So the Greater Cleveland Partnership is uh, Northeast Ohio's Chamber of Commerce. Uh, not only uh, the Chamber of Commerce for Northeast Ohio, but we're the largest uh, Chamber of Commerce uh, in the state of Ohio. As uh, I think you know, Paul, and we are actually one of, if not the largest metropolitan chamber yeah. uh, in, uh, in, the, in the U.S. And uh, that alignment uh, that now positions us to be one of the largest uh, in the country really started 20 years ago where there were three separate organizations, uh, one that focused on small business, one that focused on minority business, and another that focused on the largest businesses in Cleveland. And about 20 years ago, those three organizations and the boards of those three organizations got together, some for some very practical reasons. Uh, jobs were moving overseas. Cleveland's economy was contracting. And as they looked around their respective boardrooms, there was a lot of overlap between those three organizations. So it was both a practical, but then ultimately a strategic merger of a cozy small business strategy, the Greater Cleveland Roundtable, which drove the minority business strategy, and Cleveland Tomorrow, which again had the representatives from our largest businesses. And now 20 years later, we are finding that that practical and strategic decision now has positioned us to really be on uh, the cutting edge of economic development strategies uh, and a number of very important kind of synergies between those three kind of core areas of focus uh, within the GCP. Got it. And talk to us how you got involved with them, because I know you started off, and I don't want to say this, but almost as a consultant and then yep. joined full time in, in 2014. Sure, exactly. The um, Having had a career in, in nonprofit management, as I mentioned, uh, working at uh, uh, the United Way and Hartford Seminary, then making the shift into the public sector uh, as a um, the deputy director for a congressional office and then the work in the secretary of state's office, uh, the shift into the economic development sector, just as a practical, this is Rust Belt um, uh, rec recruiting. And so as a part of your work, you it's really important to be able to communicate to a prospective employer kind of what's next. What is there some logic in your career growth? And so I have worked, as I mentioned, with the private sector but coming on and doing some consulting work with the GCP was an opportunity for what some describe as a try before you buy. I had an opportunity to learn something about the economic development world uh, here in the greater Cleveland area. And also the GCP had a chance to see, you know, someone with my particular background and portfolio, how that would overlap, you know, into the work of, of economic uh, uh, of economic development. And so that consulting work um, happened to be a, a very kind of logical bridge uh, for me to get introduced into the economic development space, which very much aligns with my background happens to align with the specific responsibility that I now have. Got it. Um, so you alluded to the fact that the GCP has more than 12,000 members it's the largest metropolitan chamber of commerce in the nation, which I think some people would be surprised by. Um, talk to us about the growth since you've joined. You know, what has contributed to that? Yeah, as I mentioned, the merger of those three strategies, I don't think it is common necessarily, Paul, for 
those different economic development interests to be merged under one umbrella. Got it. And again, that strategic decision, I think, has had many, many benefits, uh, not the least of which, uh, you know, shows up. One of the other, I think, great, one of the reasons that the Northeast Ohio economy is so resilient is that there are a mix of, of industry sectors that are present. Of course, our history as a manufacturing community and the legacy of that um, is showing up in some very powerful ways today as we are reshoring yep. right, a number of, 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 of key industry sectors that moved overseas. So uh, that legacy and that competence within our economy is still here, right? Smaller than it used to be, but we're, we're prepared for that. Also from a standpoint of, um, of diversity and inclusion. Uh, while DNI strategies, and I know we may chat a bit more about this uh, more specifically, but DNI strategies are now front and center. Yep. While we have been doing and integrating uh, DNI strategies in all of our economic development work for the last 20 years. So it's not new to us. And I think that, again, that strategic alignment all those years ago, and again, that, allow, that alignment, I think, improved uh, and became more and more aligned over time. But I think we're now poised uh, for the kind of leadership and the kind of growth that we're now experiencing, even in the midst of COVID, um, because of that strategic alignment. Got it. Yeah, I want to come back to that, too, in terms of being poised for the next stage of growth. Um, but fast forward today, tell us a little bit more about the sector partnership work as part of the larger Workforce Connect initiative. Sure. You know, just as recently as, as several years ago, in my specific work within the, uh, within the construction sector, connecting, you know, women and people of color into the construction sector, uh, what is work that we're now moving into the seventh, uh, seventh year in doing that. But our workforce, oftentimes there have been disconnects in that, in that, in that connecting process from mm. the realities of uh, supply and demand, right? Where are we relative to business demand um, in our uh, community and where are we on supply? And so the Workforce Connect effort is a very intentional effort on the part of a consortium of both public and private funders to create, again, more alignment within our industry sectors. And so Workforce Connect is initially focusing on manufacturing, healthcare, and IT as high growth in-demand sectors. And within each of those sectors, with this kind of seed funding by public and private funders and philanthropic as well, uh, we're now connecting with intermediaries. For instance, I'm involved in the manufacturing sector partnership where both the GCP and Magnet, right, which is the regional organization that that is the intermediary, basically the economic development organization that works with, with uh, manufacturers. Got it. We are teamed up to move forward that manufacturing effort. And so we have identified a group of manufacturers who are really leading that effort in terms of thinking through. Uh, our core goal is to connect 3,000 people, right? Folks in Northeast Ohio, to jobs in the manufacturing sector. 
and we are involved in every aspect uh, of doing that from identifying uh, entry-level jobs, working with uh, you know, uh, students at uh, CM within the Cleveland Metropolitan School District, working with returning citizens here in Cuyahoga County. We have the largest concentration of folks returning from uh, Ohio's uh, uh, penal institutions. Often, many individuals are prepared and looking for that first job opportunity. Yep. Uh, and there are many opportunities within the manufacturing sector to make those connections. And we are also looking at uh, scholarship programs for CMSD kids to get connected to manufacturing. And this is all led by industry leaders. Uh, and our role is to make sure that the, uh, from the individual who can benefit from participating in the program, the workforce organizations and the sector all benefit. So I'll, I'll pause there, but it is a, it's a multi-layered strategy yep. and the, and uh, we're, we're, very, we're very pleased with where we are so far. It sounds like uh, some other cities may need to be calling you on, on some advice in terms of strategy because it's, like you said, multi-layered, um, all the different initiatives, all the different organizations, all the different parts of how truly an economy works seems to be really together, which I, I commend you guys. And it, and it came, what, in 2004, correct? That's when everybody came together? Uh, the, now, the sector partnership work has been going on for the last couple of years, specifically yeah. Workforce Connect work. And we actually are already involved in a five-city consortium wow. where we have been sharing um, the lessons learned from our manufacturing sector partnership efforts specifically. And uh, we're really uh, pleased to be able to do that. And, um, you know, as my wife's grandmother says, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily want to polish our own silver. Uh, but we have found that the things that we are doing are very much on the front end, uh, on the front, on the on the cutting uh, edge yep. of the kind of workforce collaborations where we're bringing together supply and demand. Yeah, super important. Um, okay, so obviously this year has not been uh, normal to say the least. So since COVID, how much has changed yeah. for? For you guys, what have you then had to transition? What are you focusing on now? I, you know, I want to give you the opportunity to talk about the Cleveland sure. Metro Restart, the sure. GCP and Gear, um, and then all of the racial equity and inclusion work too. Because to be honest with you, I think that's that's the most important um, and something that not not everyone has been focusing on. And I want to come back to that phrase that my friends at Hartford Seminary introduced me to: "We are in a both-and environment," yep. right? We have to deal with the realities of COVID and we have a responsibility to continue to move forward. Uh, as the Regional uh, Chamber of Commerce, uh, our uh, work has not stopped. Uh, in, uh, as soon as COVID became a reality and uh, the governor uh, called for um, the, the halt of business and toward the goal of trying to get the virus under control, we immediately uh, shifted to uh, online platforms. We were fortunate that uh, our ability to do that was already, we had the tech, we had the IT infrastructure to be able to do that. We found that our companies and organizations uh, in large measure uh, were, were poised to do that. We did find some gaps and I, I do wanna quickly come back to that. And so we were fortunate that we were able to pivot uh, very quickly. Now, in terms of the impact, we also found a very strange but practical thing is that our work is driven and supported by volunteers, right, Paul? And so 
one of the realities of the, the many demands of uh, anyone who is active in the civic uh, sector is your time is limited. Yep. Well, all of a sudden people found themselves at home and we found that the participation in our various volunteer committees went from you know very high to almost 100% participation. Wow. And so that also required us, Paul, to be much more intentional about the work that we were focused on doing. And, um, and of course, that work relative to, uh, just to share a couple of specific examples, certainly the restart committee efforts uh, were also a very important part of our focus. But once um, the, uh, the George Floyd uh, uh, incident moved uh, into the national spotlight and racial equity issues became front and center, again to the point where the GCP made that strategic decision 20 years ago to embed diversity and inclusion strategies and uh, uh, related uh, areas of focus as a part of our business community. We did not need to introduce that idea yeah. you know, to the greater Cleveland business community. Which, which a lot of people, a lot of people, organizations, companies, cities had to do and they had to scramble. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And in, in many ways, it became kind of an unusual opportunity for us to um, inform folks of things that we have been doing for years. And yep. so it gave us a chance to just plug them into, you know, one specific example, there's a, there's a tool called the diversity, the DNI assessment, the DEI assessment, where companies and organizations, we have about, we have about 150 companies who take a survey, a confidential survey, to establish that benchmark of where are they relative to their uh, diversity and inclusion practices from supplier diversity to senior management diversity and all in between. And so that benchmarking allows companies and organizations to establish, okay, where are we today? And then chart a progress, chart a plan to move that effort forward over time. And we have a whole series of, of supporting efforts. Uh, and programs and activities and additional tools and resources that we have had in place, that we have expanded. And again, for us, it's been an important opportunity to introduce uh, something to many segments of our business community that has been present for quite some time. And we've been very encouraged by that. That's fantastic. It's amazing. And And I'm sure you're getting calls from other businesses and saying, hey, tell us more about it, right? And what have yeah, you- business, Businesses around the region, businesses around the state. Uh, in fact, the manufacturing sector partnership work and Workforce Connect work was just featured in a global uh, publication wow. uh, this uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, which I'd be happy to, to, to share with you. So um, our, our work uh, has literally gone global. That's great. That's awesome. Kudos to you guys. Um, okay, so want to talk. You, you, this is the question that you, that you had talked, uh, you alluded to a little earlier that I wanted to follow up with. So, um, obviously, COVID has changed a lot of things, but we, I want to talk to you about the importance of economic revival 
economic stability, especially in the Rust, Rust Belt, you know, due to COVID, myself included, I have left New York City, I am now a Columbus, Ohio resident, we've seen people leaving some of the more expensive coastal cities and, and moving inward. Um, I just read an article this morning that, you know, not that this is a shock, but Austin, Texas population over the last 10 years, you know, has, has I've, I'm not, I don't want to misquote it, but an insane amount uh, of right. people are moving there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, talk to us about Ohio and the Rust Belt, and I know you mentioned this before, but what type of opportunity does this provide the region, and what should organizations like the GCP prepare for? Well, in, in many ways, this is really at the core of, of the work that we do at the GCP as a part of our business attraction, but we're attracting people to a place, right? A physical place. Um, we are home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We are home to, um, you know, the, uh, an amazing network of, of Metro parks, uh, green spaces, public spaces, uh, something that we call the Emerald Necklace right? We are home to uh, some of the finest arts and cultural organizations, you know, in the country, uh, the Cleveland Museum of Art, the Cleveland Symphony, among the top four or five, literally, in the U.S., and our cost of living. You know, again, having moved from New York City, you understand very clearly uh, the difference between living there and living here in Ohio. So we are an attractive place, especially within the context of a 21st century city. Yep. The live, the live work commutes are, are short. Obviously now that we're in a COVID space, uh, folks are, are, are working from home. And mm -hmm. so the quality of life becomes that much more important. And your physical location, as you said, is less and less um, you know, uh, pivotal on being on either one of the coasts. Yeah. Also, from an economic development standpoint, you know, you mentioned, you, know, you mentioned Austin in particular, but also, you know, venture capitalists, something like, you know, 90, I think it's 90% plus of all venture capitals is located in either New York City, Boston, or in the Bay Area, yeah. right? Well, um, the, the founder of, L, of, of AOL, Steve Jobs, um, you know, a, along with uh, another uh, native Ohioan, um, have established a venture capital firm that is specifically looking to invest in firms that are based in the Midwest. So right. uh, years ago, Cleveland was known, uh, one of its taglines is we're the best location in the nation. You know, John D. Rockefeller built the standard oil empire, yep. you know, in Cleveland, Ohio, because he was a logistical, not only obviously, um, a very successful business person, but he also understand the he understood the importance of logistics, and and that it, that location is very critical. And so we we believe that we're very very strongly positioned uh, to grow into the future. Not the least of which is being a a green city on a blue lake. Uh, yep. The sustainability strategies, which are also at the core of next generation uh, uh, jobs and our economy are very present here, again, in every way, intellectually, in terms of manufacturing, and, and all in between. So we believe we're very, very strongly poised uh, to grow um, as long as we continue to focus on uh, the collaboration necessary yeah. for that growth to continue. Yeah, 
Green city on a blue lake. I like that. I'm going to steal that. Um, okay, last question before just a fun one, and then we'll get you out of here. But I want to talk about the idea of place-based immigration and how that could also benefit an area like Cleveland. I, I read about that last night. I think it's uh, very, very smart. And again, you guys have made tons of uh, decisions that, you know, hindsight have worked out tremendously. And I think this is going to be another one. Sure. Well, well Cleveland, along with other um, industrial Midwest cities was built on the foundation of, of immigrant work, um, not the least of which was in between uh, the two world wars. And, you know, specifically for, for my family, my, my dad uh, uh, worked in the auto industry for over uh, 46 years. And I remember very clearly uh, going to see my dad at work and the family visiting my dad at work, and there was this amazing mix of ethnicities. I remember eating my first pierogies, uh, my first baklava, and other ethnic foods when visiting my dad at the General Motors plant here in Cleveland. You fast forward to today, uh, the, those immigrant populations are still very present in Cleveland. I think there's something like 80 plus languages uh, that are spoken in Cleveland. So again, from a legacy standpoint, we have a very strong legacy of connecting immigrant communities into the local economy, right? So we've been doing this for a while. Um, so, and uh, now taking it to the next level, I think we're now from a business attraction, again, Chamber of Commerce, business attraction, we now can be very intentional about looking to uh, attracting immigrant communities uh, to Cleveland uh, as not only a welcoming place, but historically being a place uh, that is able to build on a foundation of leveraging the power, uh, the brain power, uh, both the, the brain power and the brawn, if yep. you will, of, of, of immigrant communities. And we do have, uh, there's a very important organization called Global Cleveland that is specifically focused on making sure that the connection happened between immigrant communities and our economic development organizations. And we have a very close working relationship uh, with Global Cleveland. Got it, awesome. Yeah, very, very important work, especially, uh, you know, over the next couple of years uh, based on the last couple of years. Um, so we want to highlight, uh, we always like to highlight a local business or restaurant as best we can. So this is the last sure. question. Sometimes uh, people say it's the hardest question, but it should be the easiest. Um, so, you, so you can do two things. You can highlight whether pre-COVID, your, your favorite restaurant to go to in Cleveland, or maybe your favorite takeout since COVID happened, or you can do both. Totally up to you. So favorite restaurant in Cleveland, where should everybody be eating? Well, this is a no-brainer for, for, for me and both my wife and I are foodies. So La Bitro okay. is one of Zach Brule's uh, restaurants. Zach, uh, of course, a, a native of, of Cleveland and of Cleveland Heights uh, High School has a number of signature restaurants uh, in Cleveland. So while it happens to be French cuisine, they also one of our favorite items on the menu is this amazing burger, right? Mm -hmm. My wife and I are huge burger fans. And I think it only costs like 16 bucks. So while, while it does have a fancy French name and it does have a lot of fancy French food, uh, the burger is actually uh, one of our favorite things. So 
Uh, right. Zach Rule's Labutro, which is, happens to be located in the University Circle area nice. uh, here in Cleveland, near the museum. So Got that's top of, top of our list, both pre-COVID and now. Man, um, no. they, they have a, an amazing patio and uh, their indoor dining. They've been following all the, the highest uh, health standards in alignment with direct consulting with um, uh, Cleveland Clinic, which is, of course, not only Cleveland's largest employer, but now the largest employer in the state of Ohio. So their health and safety standards have been tip top. So awesome. Okay, so La Bicho, that's that's where uh, I'm going to have to go next time I'm up, I'm, I'm up in Cleveland. But um, Chris, yeah, no, let let me know. Happy to uh, yeah. happy to connect. We know a few people there. Yeah, done deal. Um, okay, well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, really quick before we go, um, just want to give you the opportunity to tell people where to go to find out more about the partnership, um, whether that's social channels or the website, where should people be going? Sure. Yeah, gcpartnership.com. Uh, that is where you will get connected to the GCP. Um, we are uh, we have staff members that are uh, we're, we're nearly um, 100 uh, employees strong. Uh, we continue to be available 24-7. Uh, we have a number of links, uh, information and resources to how to connect you to businesses, whether you're starting a business as a sole proprietor or if you're a part of one of our larger organizations in, in, uh, in Cleveland. We're, we'd be delighted to, uh, to hear from you, gcpartnership.com. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you again. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week, and uh, we'll talk with you soon. Terrific. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Rust Belt Rundown. Make sure you check us out at rustbeltrecruiting.com. The Rust Belt Rundown is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and click on five stars if you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.